0: How's everyone doing this morning? Come on, you guys can do better than that. I hope you guys are blessed to be here this morning as we go into the second part of our hell series. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 12, beginning at verse 43. Matthew chapter 12, beginning at verse 43. And in part two of this series, we're going to be dealing with the subject of the paranormal, the haunted houses. Pastor, is it real? If it is real, am I safe? I hear it all the time as a pastor. People come up to me and say, Pastor, I could have sworn the other night I heard footsteps or I saw my grandmother visited me. She's been dead for years and... Pastors, I hear voices, and for years, people have asked me a lot of questions about the paranormal. And I want to open up with Matthew Matthew chapter 12, beginning at verse 43. And this is what the Word of God says. It says, when an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert and it's seeking rest. It's seeking rest, but finding none. And notice this. Then it says, I will return to that person I came from. So it returns and finds the former home empty, swept, and in order. Then the Spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all enter the person and live there. And so that person is worse off than before. That will be the experience of this evil generation. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you bless this word. I ask, Lord, that you bless this service as we go into this subject that I know angers, that angers, Lord, the devil, what we're going to learn today. So, Father, help us to listen to apply to our lives and really learn this so that we can better serve you in Jesus' name. Use me now, Lord. Amen and amen. You guys can have a seat as we get into this part two of our Hell series. We're going to be dealing with the topic of the Devil's Workshop, part two. And one of the greatest tools that the enemy uses is deception. And last week we talked about the deception of temptation. We talked about how Samson's life was completely ruined because he could not endure temptation. But this Sunday we're going to talk about a man named Saul who, like Samson, was off to a great start in his life. He was the first king of Israel. He helped the nation of Israel to thrive. He was a godly man, but in the end of Saul's life, It was completely destroyed. And what we're going to learn about all these people throughout this month is that all of them have this in common. They were off to a great start, but they finished in destruction. So as we go to this subject of the paranormal and the haunted house, you're probably asking yourself, why would the pastor even talk about this? You're probably asking yourself, well, Pastor, I don't think I need to hear this because I know that I'm a Christian, I know that I'm saved, and I know, therefore, because I'm a Christian who happens to be saved, I'm also then safe from all of this. The devil can't touch me, the devil can't hurt me. I belong to Jesus. I hear that all the time. So why talk about this? Well, not only do I believe that the church needs to talk about this, I am saddened because the church has moved away from this. Why do we need to learn this as Christians? It's because a recent poll I was reading said that 46% of Christians believe in the paranormal. That means the rest do not. 44% of Christians actually believe in psychics and they seek them out. 30% of Christians in the church are professing Christians. They believe in reincarnation. These are people that are professing to be Christians and they believe that you can die and come back as someone or something else. 26% of professing Christians believe in astrology and actually follow it and practice it. Now, I say that these are professing Christians because I personally believe they're not saved. But this is so common in the church. It's so common, not only in the church, but it's so common in the world that we live in. We live in a world where the paranormal is so accepted. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. Everything from video games to books and movies and TV shows all promote these paranormal movies and all these entertainment that go outside of the realm of God. And it is so common that even though we call it the paranormal, it's actually become our new normal. And it's something that Christians take lightly, it's something that Christians play with and entertain themselves with. They say, well, it's just a show, it's just a movie, it's just a book, it's just for children, it's not harmful. But what if I told you you are playing with the demonic realm? And I'm gonna show you through these passages of scriptures. You see, the devil is clever. And I believe that even today, through the entertainment industry, he's creeping in. He's creeping in through the movies and the music and the shows and the books and the literature and everything. And we see it as harmless. And the more we dive into this in our culture, the more acceptable it becomes. And the more acceptable it becomes, the more susceptible we come into it. And that's why it's so important that we learn about this, because we need to further protect our homes and our family and our children from this deceptive lie that it is homeless and actually fun. Look at how far we've gone as a country just by the entertainment we accept. Let me give you an example for my older generation. Where are my older generations at? All right, let me show you this picture. This was a huge controversy in 1970. This is a picture of I Dream of Jeannie, and in this episode, it was a huge uproar because her belly button was showing. You think about that. In the early 70s, this was considered to be wrong, immoral, raunchy, not acceptable. A belly button. You fast forward now to what is common on television and Netflix and in the movie theaters. How far, church, have we gone? You see how the devil works or start off with a belly button. But if you would have told this generation in the 70s, where we're at today, they would never have believed it. But see, a lot of the ungodliness is now sociably acceptable because the devil sharpens tool number two. And it's deception. The paranormal is our new normal. In our homes in our entertainment, in our families, and even in our church. You ask yourself, well, pastor, are Christians safe? Are we safe from all this? If you would ask Jesus this right now, he would say no. In fact, look at the Bible with me notice what the Bible says, the word of God, 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9. This is written for Christians. It's written to a church of believers like us. And it says, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion and he's looking for someone to devour. Would you tell someone to watch out and be careful if they weren't in danger? But there it is. God tells the church through Peter to be alert, because the devil is seeking to devour, to destroy. Look at Ephesians chapter six, verse twelve. Look at what Paul what he writes to a church. He tells the church, "We do not fight against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities in an unseen world." See, Paul says there is an unseen realm around us that's fighting against us. And it has mighty powers in this dark world where we live in now. And against evil spirits in heavenly places. So God warns the church of an unseen realm with evil spirits. And I want you to pick up on this. Because God. He reveals to us these two truths. The devil is real. The devil is after Christians. And sometimes it is so unseen because there's a whole other realm around us of evil that we're not even aware of. Here's some truths about the devil. The Bible says, in Isaiah, he was a chief worship angel. He was a worship leader. But Isaiah tells us that he wanted to be like God. In his pride, he wanted to be worshipped. And he revolted against God. And Revelation tells us, as he revolted, a third of all the angels fell with him. And these are where demons come from. And see, angels, they carry out the work of God for God. Then demons carry out the work of Satan for Satan. They're in opposition to one another. Jesus said in the book of Matthew that he comes to seek, steal, and destroy. He wants to destroy the plan of God in your life, the purposes of God in your life. He wants to destroy your joy. He wants to destroy your testimony. He wants to destroy this ministry. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to rob your kids of their legacy. He is there seeking, looking to destroy. You're thinking, well, how does he do that? With deception. He begins to deceive you about God. God doesn't love you. You can't trust the word of God. Do you even know that God exists? Because he's in direct opposition towards God. He begins to deceive people about hell. We'll talk about this in a few weeks. But he might tell people, there is no hell. You know that 10% of the church right now in the U.S. are now preaching that hell does not exist? Pastors are standing up in the pulpit saying that hell is a metaphor, but it doesn't exist. He'll tell you about eternity. He'll tell you that there's more ways to heaven than one. The the book of 2 Corinthians says he disguises himself as an angel of light because he will not reveal who he really is because if you see who the devil really is, you will run away from him. So he has to disguise himself by looking harmless. See, what the devil does in deception is because he tells you now it's harmless. He lies and he tells you what is what is wrong in God's eyes is actually right. What is unacceptable to God is completely acceptable. What is dangerous for your life is actually healthy. The Bible says that he's a liar, he's the chief of all liars, and since the beginning he's been a liar, and when he speaks, he speaks his native language, lies. The devil is full of lies, and God reveals the truth about him throughout his word. Here's some truth. Luke four thirteen. 13. When the devil had finished tempting Jesus when he was in the desert, he left him until the next what? Opportunity. Here's a truth that God reveals in His Word. The devil is an opportunist. Oh, he left. He says, Jesus, you won this time, but I'll be back. I'm going to look for an opportunity. I'm going to look for my next chance. The devil is an opportunist. He's looking for an opportunity in your life, he's looking for the best opportunity to bring that destruction he so desires. That's why the book of Ephesians chapter 4 verse 27 is another warning to the church about the devil. And the Bible says anger gives a foothold to the devil. That word foothold literally means opportunity. It's when you put your foot in between a door, like we said last Sunday, when you put your foot in between a door, you're letting him wide open to come in. So not only does the Bible establish the reality of the existence of the devil, he tells the church and the church of believers like us to watch out. And not only does he say to watch out, he warns the church saying, your attitude, your behavior, your lifestyle, your choices, as simple as anger, can give the devil an opportunity. A foothold. James 4, 7. Here's the good news. God said, humble yourself. Again, to a church. You see the pattern? To a church. Humble yourself before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That word... Humble yourself is the word hupotaseo in the Greek. It literally means to submit to God in obedience. How do you resist the devil? You live a life of obedience to God. When you choose to live a life of disobedience and away from the submission of God, you are giving the devil a foothold in your life. And see, when God says, humble yourself under God, He says you can resist the devil then. You cannot resist the devil without being fully under the authority of God in your life. So I want to ask you this question. Does God have the ultimate authority in your life? Don't answer that yet. Does God have the ultimate authority in your choices? Does God have the ultimate authority in your values and your worldview? Does God's word have the ultimate authority in how you live your life? If you can say yes to all of them, the devil can't touch you. But if you can say no to any one of those areas, you cannot resist him. Are you under submission to God? I can tell you right now in the church, many people are not. And that word resist, it doesn't mean to stay strong. That word resist means when something has no effect on you. Wouldn't it be great that even though the devil tries and he tries to lie, he tries to tempt you, he tries to discourage you, he tries to attack you, it has no effect on your life because you are so submitted to God. That's what the Bible teaches. You can live a life of complete resistance. Where you no longer give the devil a foothold in your home, in your family. Because the devil is an opportunist. And if he did it to Jesus, believe me, he'll do it to you. So we have to ask ourselves, how is it that we give the devil an opportunity in our lives? Pastor, how is it that this evil world and this evil realm of spirits really affect us? Well, let me explain to you how by giving you this this illustration of what happened to me a few months ago in my family. But a few months ago, we were over in our ranch, in our lands, And, you know, for months, we were there, but I never paid attention. I was warned. I was warned of copperheads around the area. Now, let me explain to you what a copperhead looks like and what it's powerful, how, what it's capable of. But a copperhead, here's a video of it if you want to see it, a copperhead is really able to hide well. And a copperhead, he's not looking to attack. He doesn't chase people. He's very territorial. And copperheads are so venomous that if it strikes you, you have minutes to find a hospital. You can literally swell up and suffocate. Copperheads are not to mess with. play with and my neighbor had warned me that one almost got him and I was like okay whatever and then one day one day I was inside the house and all of a sudden I heard my mother scream like death you remember that mom my mother screamed she yelled Like her life was over. Because she came in contact with a copperhead. Right above our porch, and there was on the floor, and my dad had it pinned. And she yelled, and he went, Dad, come quick! And I ran, and there he was. And right there, the very warning came real. As he stood there, trying to wiggle out, and strike we killed it took his head off and the story right can I be honest with you church can I be honest today in our house we had these uh, pine needles these very pine needles and they were on the gutter and my mother told me months before David you need to clear that out because one of these days a snake's gonna get in there you know what your pastor did nah do it later she's crazy she's so dramatic i said that how dramatic And every week we were there, it's like she told me, when are you going to clear those pines? When are you going to clear? One day a snake's going to be there. And I would ignore it and ignore it and ignore it until finally the snake got there. It could have ended worse. But see what I did, my choices to neglect, what I had done was because I neglected to, to clean the mess. I actually created an environment, an atmosphere, an environment where that snake felt comfortable. Because of my own neglect to clean the mess, I created a home where that copperhead felt safe because copperhead love moist environments. They love things like wood and pine needles. It's in the website, Google it. They love pine needles. But because I ignored the warning, I created a home, an environment in where this deadly venomous snake could thrive. And folks, let me just tell you, that is exactly how the devil operates. This is exactly how the demonic realm works. It needs an environment for it to thrive on. It needs an environment where it can feel safe. And at home. It needs a place where it can feel like it belongs. And because I created this environment for that snake... It put my entire life and family in danger. And I wonder how many people in the church are putting their family and their life in danger and their spiritual life in danger and their marriage in danger and their children in danger because we are creating in our own personal lives an atmosphere where we're saying the devil, you can, you can, you're welcome here. The devil feels comfortable in your home. The devil feels comfortable with what you watch. The devil feels comfortable with what you listen to. The devil feels comfortable because evil spirits need an environment to thrive. Matthew chapter 12, our opening verse says this. And I want you to look at verse 43. When an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert seeking what? Rest, but finds none. You see, Jesus lets us know that evil spirits are seeking. And notice the terminology Jesus uses. He uses two words. He uses the word desert and he uses the word rest. Why did Jesus use the word desert? Because in the Bible, symbolically, a desert was always a symbolism of either sin or being spiritually dry. Throughout the entire Old Testament, when you read of a a person's spiritual condition and a person's sin, the Bible always referenced it like a desert when the Holy Spirit led Jesus to be tempted by the devil, where did that happen? In the desert. Now don't say, oh, pastor told me I can't go to the desert. No, it's not the physical desert. But see, in order for an evil spirit to thrive, it needs you to be spiritually dry. It needs you to be in immorality and sin. And that's how it works. And when he finds it, he looks for a place to rest. And that word rest means the type of comfort you only find at home. How many would agree there is no place like home? Home is where your shoes can come off, you can be yourself, you can relax. The devil finds a place of rest and comfort and home. In the life of any person that creates an environment of ungodliness where he can thrive. See, because I neglected to clean the mess, it allowed that snake to come right in and feel comfortable. And I wonder how many things in your life are a mess you're neglecting. I wonder how many choices are you making right now that's creating an atmosphere where evil can thrive? It's real. The Bible shows us that there was a demon possessed man. If you've ever been around a demon possessed person, it is not pretty. I've only seen it twice in my whole career as a pastor. And it's frightening. The Bible says that this demon-possessed man, he had a home. He had a family. We don't know how or when or why, but he got possessed by a demon. Now, we know Christians cannot be possessed, but they can be oppressed. That's a whole other message. If you're interested in that, go to last year's sermon series on our website. You can see that under demonic oppression. But see, this man got possessed, and what's interesting, the evil spirit took him away from the home and into a graveyard. And the reason that it went into a graveyard, because in the Bible, in the Old Testament, you have to understand that graveyards were considered unclean places. Jewish people never went to graveyards. They would go up to the graveyard, and then they would have a Gentile take the coffin over. It was considered a very unclean place, according to Leviticus, around the dead. So that evil spirit wanted to be around the things that God called unclean. Are you with me? When Jesus cast that demon out, the demons begged Jesus, would you please let us go into these pigs because a herd of pigs happened to be around and the demons asked Jesus, can we go inside the pigs? You wonder, why would they ever ask that? Because again, in the Bible, in the law of God, pork and pigs were considered unholy and unclean animals to stay away from. See, the demonic realm wanted to thrive on dead and unholy places a desire to rest in things that were not honoring to God. And when you're living a life that is not honoring to God, demonic evil spirits can find rest where you're at. When you're living a life of ungodliness and sin, you are inviting the snake to just nest in your life. So understand one thing about evil spirits. They thrive on environment. They thrive in areas where they belong. And this is where we see in the book of 1 Samuel, a man named Saul, who destroyed his life by allowing the evil spirits to really gain control in his life. I want to give you three areas where you can give the devil a foothold. You guys ready for these three? Help me preach Are You guys ready for these three? You guys look like you're creeped out right now. <laughs> Here's a big one. Number one. Evil spirits thrive on areas of knowledge. Knowledge that's outside of God. You're saying, Pastor, what do, I, what do you mean by that? We live in a world that's desperate for knowledge. We live in a society that, that is desperate to know. See, how many of you want to know what the future holds? Be honest. How many of you want to know, know what, what's going to happen next week, next month? How many of you want to know how your life's going to turn out? How many you want to know how to handle a certain situation? You want to know how to handle a certain person? You want to know how to fix a certain problem? We live in a desperate age for knowledge. And the devil picks up on that. And one of the most demonic areas where evil can thrive is gaining knowledge outside of God. And I don't mean in school or by a professor. Listen, what I'm talking about is in mysticism, astrology. Astrology is a belief that the stars and the universe and the planets align for a certain purpose and give you a certain sense of knowledge for your destiny. Astrology teaches that you were born at a certain time and age and month because you have a certain personality. Let me just debunk that right now. I'm a twin, I'm an identical twin, born the same time, the same day as my brother. We are completely opposite in personality, amen? Your personality was put there by God. The devil wants to lie to you. Astrology to find out what month, what's going to happen this month. Psychics that can tell the future, pretend to tell the future. Medians that contact the dead and believe that they can contact the dead. Tarot cards, Ouija boards all types of of instruments and, and beliefs that say you can get knowledge outside of God. You don't need God. You don't need to seek His wisdom. You don't need to pray. You can just go to someone. You can go to something. You can look up to the stars and it will guide you. It will lead you. It will steer you to the right direction. You don't need God to put identity in you. Your identity was put by the universe and the nature of the universe. You see, all of this is him. All of this is mysticism that has led people astray. This is why in the U.S. right now, Wicca is the fastest growing religion. And you might be thinking, how did that ever happen? Well, it's because many, many years ago, in the time of Lord of the Rings and Twilight and Harry Potter, and all of this, these kids began to really be interested in the things of the occult. Those kids are now, how old do you think those kids are now? 20 25s, and 30s. And it has led to Wicca being the fastest growing religion in the United States where kids and teenagers and young adults everywhere are trying to figure out how to gain knowledge outside of God, how to put spells and curses for people they don't like. They're trying to mess with wizardry and sorcery and magic and black magic, and it all seems harmless to them. And I'll tell you right now, that is far from the truth. Because I remember a young girl when I was a youth pastor that played with that. And I literally saw the evil inside this girl. And it all started with one friend that brought a Ouija board on a sleepover. And today she is far from God, far from the church, dressing and God knows how and it's just crazy. Because she started just playing with the occult. Job chapter 9 verse 9, this is what the Bible says. You're going to get a lot of Bible this morning. He made all the stars, He, who's he? God. He made all the stars, the bears, the Orion, Pilates and all the constellations of the southern sky. God made that. But notice what Deuteronomy 4:19 says. And when you look up to the sky, the sky that God created, when you look up to the sky and you see the sun, and you see the moon and you see the stars and all the forces of heaven, don't be seduced into what? Worshiping them. The Lord your God gave them to all the people of the earth. See, notice what the Bible says. And when you look up to the sky, don't worship it. Every time you want to see your horoscope, every time you want to look at your sign, every time you look up to the sky, every time you're seeking knowledge outside of God, God says, Stop it. Look at what Isaiah 47 13 says. All the advice you receive has made you tired. Because people are trying to get knowledge outside of God. We're desperate to know. I need to know. Is my marriage going to work out? Am I going to get that promotion? What's going to happen? Will I find love? Will I get pregnant? I need to contact this person, that person. What does this say? What does my sign say? What does my horoscope say? God says, all that advice you receive has made you tired. And God says, where's all your astrologers? The stargazers who who make predictions each month. Remember, what the that weirdo? Yeah, he made predictions every month. Half of them never came true. The other half, he predicted because anyone could have. Let them stand up and save you from what the future holds but they are like straw burning in fire. They cannot what? They cannot save themselves from the flame. You will get no help from them at all. There, here, there's no place to sit for warmth. God says clearly they can't save. Zechariah chapter 10, verse 2. Says household gods give worthless advice. Fortune tellers predict only what lies. Interpreters of dreams. Don't we get weary with that? I had another dream the other day, and I saw a chicken cross in the came. What does that mean, Pastor? What do you think I am? <laughs> you see, fortune tellers predict only lies, and interpreters only dreams pronounce falsehood. And give no comfort, so my people are wandering like lost sheep. God says my people, God's own people are doing this. They are attacked because they have no shepherd. My people have no shepherd. God says, these aren't my children. They should be. But God says it's a lie. Deuteronomy 18, 10 through 12, memorize this one. For example, never sacrifice your sons or daughter as burnt offering. Do not let your people practice fortune-telling. Use sorcery or interpret omens or engage in witchcraft or cast spells or function as mediums or psychics or call forth the spirits of the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. It is because the other nations have done these detestable things that the Lord your God will drive them out ahead of you. You're saying, well, God, I just played with it a little. I just wanted to know. Stop it. Have nothing to do with it. Isaiah eight nineteen through 20 says this, Someone may say to you, hey, let's ask the medium and those who consult the spirits of the dead. How many of you have ever had a friend lead you this way and tell you, hey, I know this person. I know this Babalao. I know this guy. I know this person. Let's go seek them. Listen, if you're from Miami, this is normal. Someone may say to you, let's ask the medium, those who consult the spirits of the dead with their... Notice this, with their whispering and muttering, they will tell us what to do. Why? Because we want knowledge outside of God. But shouldn't people ask God for guidance? God says, you're wasting your time. You're foolish. You want knowledge Ask me who the Bible says God gives wisdom. He gives knowledge. But see, the devil says no. Knowledge goes outside of God because he doesn't want you to seek God. But God says, Ask me. Shouldn't my people ask God for guidance? Should the living seek, notice, it says, look to God's instruction and teaching. Where do you get God's instruction and teaching and His Word and in this church? If you're so desperate for knowledge, let that desperation cause you to run after God. And say, Lord, I need knowledge. I need wisdom. I need guidance because the devil wants to steer you wrong. And we have this thing where now it's just sociably acceptable. Hey, girl, what's your sign? Oh, I'm a Capricorn. You might as well say you're a unicorn. You're weird. You're crazy. It's a lie. this is what destroyed Saul. He was so desperate for knowledge. 1 Samuel 28, 7. Saul then said to his advisors, Find a woman who's a medium. So I can go and ask her what to do because Saul was in trouble. He said, I need to know what to do. His advisors replied, There is a medium, an endor. Verse 11 says this. Finally, the woman said, Well, those spirits, do, do you want me to call up? Notice what the media said, whose spirit do you want me to call up? Call up Samuel. Saul replied. Look at verse 15. The Bible says, why have you disturbed me by calling me back? Samuel asked Saul. Because I am in deep trouble, Saul replied. Deep trouble, Saul replied. The Philistines are at war with me and God has left me. What's interesting about this passage is that Saul went to a medium and the medium said, who do you want me to summon? And Saul said, Samuel. And wouldn't you know, Samuel appeared. You're saying, well, pastor, how is that even possible? Because here's something that demons have the power to do. Because they're so deceptive, they have the power to take form of someone you knew that's gone. That's why you might say, Pastor, I saw my friend, but he's been dead. Pastor, I saw my grandmother, but she's been dead. Pastor, I saw my dad, but he's been dead for 20 years. How does that even happen? Because demons are not all-knowing. They're not everywhere at once. But if they know who that person is, they will take that form. That's why the witch had to ask, who do you want me to summon? She knew exactly who Samuel was. That demon knew exactly who Samuel was. Therefore, he took on the appearance of Samuel to mislead him. Why? Because if you see a dead person right in front of you, the first thing you're going to say is, when I die, I know I'm not going to be in the presence of God because I know we wander the earth with unfinished business. You ever heard that garbage? When the Bible says it is destined for a man to die once and after this comes judgment and eternal life, you don't go back. There is no reincarnation. You don't wander the earth. The devil deceives you into thinking there is no afterlife, there's only this life. You go back to it. He deceived him. Because they know only by experience. They know and they want to deceive you. That's why you have to stay away from mysticism. You have to stay away from the occult. You have to stay away from anything that promises to get knowledge and wisdom that is not from God and His Word and His instructions. Stay away from it. Don't entertain it. But it's so popular today for women to get together and grab stones and say, let's just pray for energy. You have Christians today who use stones to pray to Jesus because they want the prayer to be more enhanced. We have accepted this world of mysticism and we've blended with Christianity. And I've seen this firsthand for myself. I remember when I went with Denison to Trinidad, and I first learned about Spiritual Baptists. And I saw the name of the church, Spiritual Baptists, and I said, "My kind of people." Until Denison and the pastor, whoa, whoa, because these are people they accept they accept the teachings of Christ, but their worship to Christ is in the same manner of Santeria and Caribbean magic. So you go to a spiritual Baptist church in the Caribbean, they'll they'll pray to Jesus while they sacrifice a chicken. They'll put blood, they'll dance around in a circle, they'll do all of that in the name of Jesus. Because the devil says, you know, you can blend it with your faith. Have nothing to do with it. Evil spirits are comfortable in knowledge outside of God. So be careful with someone that says, I can contact the dead. I can look at my coffee and tell you what's happening. I can read your palm. I can read the stars. I, I know a psychic. She's awesome. She tells me everything. She's always on point. Let's do this. Let's do that. You need to know. Stay away from that. If you lack knowledge, the Bible says, run to God who gives knowledge and wisdom. Generously. Well, pastor, I don't know what to do. Well, get in the Word of God. Number two, power outside of God. You want to thrive in the demonic realm? Evil spirits, they thrive in areas where you're seeking the power of God by other means. say, well, pastor, what do you mean by that? Objects. Objects that are designed to do what only God can do. And objects that we see as just, eh, it's just for decoration. It's just been passed on to my family. It's not a big deal. It's a very big deal. Objects that are designed to attract the power that only God has. This is, man, it is limited to, let me just give you a list. You guys ready? Dream catchers. You ever seen that one? It's nice, it's decorative, it's native, uh, Indian, whatever. Listen, they're designed to capture and protect you from evil dreams. Who alone can protect you? But the devil says no. You can get the power of protection outside of God. Things like jewelry. There's nothing wrong with jewelry. We all have jewelry on. But I'm talking about the jewelry that you believe protects you, blesses you. Well, pastor, I had this on the other day and I found $20. I'm going to wear it for the rest of the month. I'm going to, you know, pastor, I'm going to, you know, I'm scared. Items, jewelry with symbolisms and that somehow you believe that that item protects you, blesses you, prosper you when only God protects and blesses and prosper. But the devil says, no, no, you can get that outside of God. Well, pastor, I'm just going to light a little sage and put it around my house to cleanse evil when only God can cleanse evil. For my Cuban, stop putting glasses of water under the bed. Well, no, that, that's to draw out the negative energy. Well, well pastor, it's just, a, it's just a statue, but it's a statue of Christ. Why do you have it? to bless my home, to protect me. When God says those are objects made by man and are worthless and can do nothing, you pick up that statue right now, and you look at it, and under it you're gonna see, it says, man in China, where good comes from that? It makes no sense. To have an object, an enemy an object, a statue, a candle, a candle you light. Nothing wrong with candles if it's for sin. Some of you, yeah, you better light that candle up. But if you're lighting a candle with an image of a saint because you believe somehow that the candle gets lifts up prayers to God when you can just get on your knees and pray to God, stop thinking that a candle and a bunch of wax is going to do that when only you can reach God through Jesus Christ. And we need to preach this because we live in Miami. Miami. It's so common in Miami. You're at Walmart and you'll see Jesus there in a candle section. It's normal. We grab things from the earth. Oh, I just grabbed these stones, these rocks because they cleanse my home. Some of you, I mean, I meet people that put the Bible on their dashboard of their car. You don't read it. But you put it on the dashboard of your car to protect you when you're driving. You see how the devil works? Outside. You might have some, you know what you need to do? You need to limpiate con esto, throw some shells, kill a chicken, do this, and you'll be fine. We all have that neighbor. The coconuts, smash it, whichever way it turns, you'll know if the evil left or not. See, I, I live in Pines now and I'm looking for the house. Which one is it? Because when I used to live here, it was both neighbors. But it's common to practice Santeria and Yakal and all these things and objects and blood and animals to get power outside of God. Isaiah 44 9 through 11. The Bible says this clearly how foolish are those, notice how foolish are those who manufacture idols. These prized objects are really worthless. The people who worship idols don't know this, so they are all put to shame. Who but a fool would make his own God, an idol that cannot help one man? All who worship idols will be disgraced. Along with all these craftsmen who are mere humans who claim they can make God, they may all stand together, but they will stand in terror and shame. Why does the Bible say terror and shame? Because those are words that draw in the evil. Be careful. Ezekiel 13, 20 says this. It says, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against all your magic charms. You know, the jewelry, the bracelets that you believe have power. God says, I'm against that. Which you use, they are used to ensnare my people like birds. They're traps. I will tear them from your arm, setting my people free like birds set free from a cage. See, God says, I can set you free. I tear off the magic veils, the clothing, and save my people from your grasp. They will no longer be your victims. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Come on, praise God right now. He says, I am the Lord. I will rip the jewelry and the outfits off you and I will set you free. Why do we search for power outside of God? Because not only are we seeking knowledge, but we want freedom. But God says, I set you free. You might be here today, and you're saying, well, Pastor, I know I'm safe because I'm not into the mysticism. I'm not in seeking power outside of God, I can honestly tell you, pastor, the only dead chicken in my life is in my refrigerator. It's dinner tonight. I can honestly tell you, pastor, I'm not into that. I might know people, but I stay away from it. I am safe, but are you though? Because there is one more. There's one more environment that a lot of God's people are building that really attract evil spirits. And it's not knowledge outside of God through mysticism. It is not power outside of God through adamant objects. But it's something that God actually told Saul whose life was destroyed by evil. The Bible says, 1 Samuel 15, 23. God says, for rebellion... It's like the sin of divination, witchcraft, arrogance, like the evil of idolatry. Let me pause there for a second. The first thing we talked about was knowledge outside of God. And notice it is evil. And God says rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. See, God separates it like the evil of idolatry. God says rebellion is like witchcraft, like divination. And you might say, well, I don't practice witchcraft, but if you've ever been rebellious towards God, God says it's the same thing. Why? Because both give the foothold to the devil. God relates witchcraft to idolatry, and He relates idolatry to rebellion. It's the same thing, it gives both the devil a foothold. Rebellion is when you know the right you should do, but you don't do it. Rebellion says, oh, I know what's wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. Rebellion says, I know the right thing I have to do, but I'm not going to do it. You are rebelling towards God. Samuel rebelled towards God because in his pride and in his arrogance, he did what he wanted and he went outside of the will of God and started doing what he wanted to do, disobeying God, and he thought he can get away with it. And Samuel was sent by God to Saul to tell him, your rebellion is just like witchcraft. So it is giving the devil an environment to thrive. When you choose openly to live contrary to the word of God, when you know what is right but still choose what is wrong, and you deliberately sin and habitually sin, you are giving the devil a foothold in your life. You may not have idols. You may not practice witchcraft. You may not consult the stars. You may not have idolatry in your life. You may do none of that. But if you're living in habitual, practicing sin, God says it's the same thing. 1 Samuel sixteen fourteen through 15. Notice what the Bible says here. Now the spirit of the Lord had left Saul. And the Lord sent a tormenting spirit. See, the Lord allowed this evil spirit. He gave access. He told the evil spirit, have him. The Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. And some of Saul's servants said to him, a tormenting spirit from God is troubling you. Notice that God says He sent an evil spirit to fill him. In order to fill something, does it not first have to be what? Empty. Paul, Saul was empty, in rebellion, living in sin. Rather than repent and turn to God, God just sets out. I've had enough. I'm going to give you over to your sin. And the evil spirit tormented him. Notice what the evil spirit tormented him with. Fear and depression. Is there anything more prevalent in our culture today than fear and depression? Bible says Saul couldn't sleep. Bible says that Saul was worried all the time. Bible says that Saul was filled with jealousy. He hated David. Anytime you have fear, you tell the devil, have a foothold. Anytime you live in depression that's not clinical, you are telling the devil, have a foothold. Anytime you're living in constant worry and thinking, well, what if and what if this happens and what's going to happen tomorrow? You cannot live in faith and worry at the same time. You're giving the devil a foothold. Like Saul, that evil spirit tormented him. It filled him with rage and anger. If you're living a life with rage and anger all the time, you are far from God and giving the devil a foothold. He was filled with jealousy. And if the devil begins to put jealous thoughts in you, and look at them, and look at her, and why them and not you, and God did it for them and not you, and they're better than you, they're prettier than you, they have this and you don't have it, and you're jealous all the time. If you have strife and you're fighting, you are inviting the demonic realm into your home. If you have hatred like Saul did, unforgiveness like Saul did, you are telling the devil, you can have a foothold. You will be welcome. You're creating an environment when you're telling yourself, I can live angry, I can live with bitterness, I can live with unforgiveness, I can live in sin, I can live in fear and depression, I can tolerate it, I can handle it, I can live with strife and division, and I'll be okay, but you don't realize that God says, no, you won't. Have you ever been inside a room and it just feels off? you ever been inside a home and it just feels dark? you ever been inside a church and the spirit just seems gone? It's because maybe you've created an atmosphere of comfort for evil. You say, well, pastor, what do I do? Because I don't want the devil to have access to my life. I'm tired of living in worry, fear, depression, strife, anger, bitterness, unforgiveness. I'm tired of having no peace, sleeplessness, lack of joy. I'm tired. Some of you are saying, Pastor, I'm guilty. I have sought knowledge outside of God. Pastor, I have objects I believe give me power. Let me tell you about this. But I was invited into a home not too long ago, a few years back. That the people, church family were saying, Pastor, you need to come over to my house. Because they started hearing voices. And I said, you want me to do what? We need you to come over. We hear voices. We hear footsteps. We heard someone scream, get out! And we've been sick all the time. We're fighting all the time. And I went to that house and they left. They said, you're on your own. And I said, all right. And when I got into that house, I kid you not, I almost threw up. I have an instant headache. I felt this depression, this sadness come over me. And I prayed. I didn't seek on media. I prayed. Why? Because we have God to have access to. And I prayed. And I said, Lord, guide me. Show me where it is. And the Holy Spirit led me and said, go to this room. Go to this room. And when I went inside that closet, underneath everything were these drums that were... I recognized them from seminary. These drums are used for prayer circles and for demonic worship. And I got those drums out, and I talked to the family and said, What are these? Where did you get this? And they said... Well, a cousin of ours from Cuba just gave it to us as a gift. And we thought it was weird, but we didn't want to offend him, so we just took it and we just put it in the closet. And I said, okay, when did this happen, and when did all these activities start happening? And it was day to day when he took in the drums. And when we destroyed it and prayed over that house, never again... Did they feel that depression? Never again did they, you know why? Because you serve a God that says, I don't care how long the evil has been there, I don't care why it's there, I only care to get it out of your life. That's what he says. So maybe you're here, you've gotten knowledge outside of God. Maybe you have an object. Maybe you're living in rebellion right now. And it's no wonder you say, Pastor, I live with fear and depression and worry and jealousy and strife and discouragement. And I know I'm not living right before God. What do I do? Ephesians 5, 11 through 12. We'll close with this. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness but rather expose them for it is shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret God says expose it stop covering it stop hiding it And have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds. That term fruitless is always talking about your spiritual life. Anything that's not adding value to your spiritual growth. Have nothing to do with it. Get it out. David prayed this amazing prayer in Psalm 101 verse 2 through 8. I want to close with this. Because David made a vow before God. And if you feel like this message hit you today. You're saying, Pastor, I've sought knowledge outside of God. I have objects that I know don't honor God. And pastor, I am living in rebellion. I feel the evil in my life. I don't pray like I used to. I don't seek God like I used to. I live in addiction. I live in compromise. I live in constant fear, depression, worry, anxiety, strife, jealousy, anger, bitterness. I have it all. I can't enjoy God anymore. I can't enjoy my life. I have thoughts of suicide. I have uncontrollable anger. God says you can be set free like a bird today. This is how. Psalm 101, verse 2. This is a vow that he made to God. He said, number one, I will be careful to live a blameless life. That word blameless doesn't mean perfect. That word blameless means separate, apart from evil, to live for God. David says, I will be careful to live a blameless life. When will you come to help me? Not only does he say, I will live a blameless life, he said, I will lead a life of integrity in my own home. Is your home a place of integrity? And if so, are you leading it? Is it something you are leading in your life with your family at home? Or does your home have secrets and sin, and compromise, and hiding things from one another. David said then, I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. Anything vile, anything that doesn't honor God, he says, I will not look at it. David says, I hate all who deal crookedly. I will have nothing to do with them. I will reject perverse ideas. See, when those thoughts come to your life, that you should have jealousy and anger and depression, maybe you should kill yourself. Maybe this person's out to get you. Maybe this is wrong about you. Maybe you're not good enough. Maybe you should look at that lustful pornography and your ideas and thoughts are perverted before God. God says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. David made a vow that his thoughts and his eyes would honor God his home. I will reject perverse ideas, and I will stay away from every evil. I will not tolerate, because we're in the age of tolerance. I will not tolerate even people who slander their neighbor. He says, I'm going to be careful who I hang out with. Because some of you have relationships with people that are inviting the devil in the foothold. He says, I'm not even going to tolerate people who slander. I'm not even going to tolerate people who talk bad about other people. Maybe a lot of you are guilty of that one. I will not endure conceit and pride. I will search for faithful people to be my companions. And only those who are above reproach will be allowed to serve me. I will not allow deceivers to serve in my house and liars will not stay in my presence. Notice verse 8. My daily task will be to ferret out the wicked. Daily removing the wicked and free the city of the Lord from their grip. Let's pray. If you're here today, you're taking this vow, to live a life at home that honors God, I want you to stand to your feet. You're saying, Pastor, I'm going to lead a blameless life. Come on. No shame. You're saying, Pastor, I'm guilty. Looking at vile things, thinking vile things, being with vile people, slandering and gossiping. I'm guilty of tolerance, of evil. I'm guilty. And I know that evil is in my home. I know that evil is in my life. I've allowed it in through seeking knowledge outside of God. I've allowed it in through objects I believe have power outside of God. Or I have allowed it in through my rebellion. Today is the day of your freedom. You expose it for what it is. It's a lie. And today you tell the Lord, to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And right there, you ask the Lord to forgive you for creating an environment in your home where evil finds rest. If you're living in constant fear and worry, like Saul, if you're living in constant jealousy and depression, if you're not even sleeping well, pray about that. Heavenly Father in Jesus name I want to thank you for this message open our hearts and our ears to see the evil all around us and help us Lord to lead a life that honors you if you're here today I want to lead you in two prayers but this is a dark realm we live in and if you're here today and maybe you don't even know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior let me just tell you first and foremost he loves you he died on the cross for your sins and the bible says by Jesus dying on the cross for your sins the devil was defeated today you can live a life of absolute freedom and salvation only in Jesus Christ don't let the lie of the enemy tell you not you you're too wrong you're too bad you're too evil you're too far from God The Lord is ready to receive you just as you are and loves you enough not to keep you as you are. He will transform your life. What are you waiting for? If this is you today, right where you're at, I just want you to slip your hand up so I can help you pray this prayer all around the room. God bless you. God bless you. I first want to lead you in this prayer, and I'm going to pray for the rest of us. Just pray this with me. and This is your prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. And today, Lord, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Forgive me for the evil I've allowed into my life and the evil that I've been. And today I ask you, Lord, to come into my life and save me. Help me to lead a life that honors you and wash me of all my sins. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and you are the only way to God the Father in heaven and today in faith, I put my trust in you. In Jesus' name, give God a round of applause here in round Now let's all pray together as a church. or are saying, Pastor, I'm saved, I'm born again, but I know there's a little evil in my life. There's a little evil in my eyes. There's a little evil in my ears. There's a little evil in my entertainment. There's a little evil in my conversations with others. And I know the devil has a foothold. If that's you today, repent of that. Just say, Lord, forgive me. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for anyone giving the enemy a foothold. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit just manifests in this church and in our lives. Remove all evil we've entertained. Destroy the snake in our lives, Lord. Forgive us for our compromise and our tolerance of evil. Cleanse our homes and our families. If we need to remove relationships, if we need to remove objects from our home, if we need to stop doing what we've been doing, Father, reveal to us what is wrong so that we may not live a life of rebellion. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you guys. Give God some praise this morning. You guys survived part two of our series. You guys can have a seat for a moment. I want to thank you guys for being here. If you're a first-time guest with us, I want to welcome you. We are in the Hell Series, so you're probably thinking, man, what kind of church is this that's doing this? Every month of October, we, talk, we dive into these topics that, sadly, a lot of the churches are too afraid to talk about or just have completely shunned away from. But we here at our church, we love October. We love dealing with this. Part three next week, the devil's. Workshop. We're going to talk about Judas next week. Don't miss this one. This is going to be a powerful one. I'm going to still pray about it, I'm still studying it. But next week, part three of the Devil's Workshop of our Hell series.